It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. You're very welcome along to Friday's edition of the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. And as we've been hearing on the news this morning, the beef industry dispute, the beef crisis dispute that's been going on now for several weeks, it has now started to affect the supermarkets. And this, in fairness, was something we have spoken about over the last uh, few weeks. And up to this, people really weren't affected when they went to buy their meat, when they went to buy their Irish beef. It was always there on the shelves at the butchers inside in the supermarkets and Aldi have become the first major retailer. They're confirming today they have difficulties in stocking their shelves with Irish beef. They've issued a statement uh, saying there was now industry-wide availability issues for Irish beef. It isn't just Aldi but they're the first out to say we now have a problem. What they, what they say uh, to ensure that it has a full range of fresh beef and pork product for its customers. Some of its Irish beef and pork suppliers have processed Irish beef and pork at their UK-based processing facilities. Now, it, we're told, if you go shopping into Aldi and if you're in there this morning, let us know uh, what you're seeing on the shelves because we've been told by Aldi it will be clearly reflected on the product's packaging. They're also placing notices around the stores to ensure that the customers are fully aware of the uh, situation. But Aldi do tell us in their statement that the meats are all still board beer approved. And that's got Sean in Dream League scratching, he said. He's wondering, how could it be board beer approved? Uh, He says, we go through so many tests and traceability and he's wondering how can the British beef be board be approved. But I am wondering, is the answer in this statement from Aldi when they say that it's Irish beef and pork that has been processed in England. I'm, I'm just a bit confused by it all, but we're, we're on to Board Bia. We've emailed Board Bia just to find out exactly what is going on and that if people are buying meat where it says it's been processed 
in the United Kingdom, is it still board beer, a pre-approved beef? Because I think when people go out and buy their meats, we're all doing our bit to buy Irish, but I think particularly when it comes uh, to uh, meats. And of course, while all that is going on in the background, efforts are still continuing to try to broker some kind of talks between the protesting farmers and the meat uh, industry. Still, by the way, I checked before I came on air, there's still no agreement on plans to arrange talks to try to resolve resolve the dispute. I mean, we know uh, yesterday we had the farmers saying, they're willing to sit down. We know the meat industry Ireland are willing to sit down, the food, pro- the, the beef processors. And we were already in an argument as to what day they should meet. The farmers want to get in there as quick as they can. We heard that from Helen, Helen O'Sullivan of the Beef Plan Movement sooner rather than later. They want to meet tomorrow, Saturday morning. Meat Industry Ireland was saying, actually, we'll sit around a table on, on Monday. So they're already arguing as to when they're going to meet. So that still hasn't been decided the Agriculture Minister Michael Creed he's continuing to engage with the farmers and the meat processors to try to ensure that they convene talks as early as possible. Would you believe this row now has been going on since late July and here we are into the middle of October or middle of September it was late July when the picketing of the meat factories first started and that was a grassroots group that started from a WhatsApp group of some farmers and that quickly spread and we know that the beef plan movement has grown into a huge, huge uh, organisation. So it's been going on since the end of July and then of course on Tuesday Meat Industry Ireland came out and said they had to temporarily lay off 3,000 employees after their factories were, they say, illegally blockaded. 80% of the overall processing capacity ceased because of the protests outside the gates of the factories. Now, SIP2, of course, are calling for income support to be put in place for the workers. Now, we've been talking this week about some of the workers, you know, with people saying, oh, they've got to head down now to the Dole office and sign on and they'll, you know, be living on social welfare until they can get their jobs back. But what I didn't realise, and I only read about this this morning, and SIP2 are coming out, pointing this out, that not all of the workers who have been laid off, the workers who work at the meat factories, have will have an automatic entitlement to social welfare payments because, and I don't know what percentage of the 3,000 workers have come from overseas to work in the meat factories and many of them are on work, the work permit scheme and the work permit scheme does not allow them to sign on for from social welfare because I did, when I heard some of the various plants around the country when people were being interviewed leaving the plants, the workers, I did notice there seemed to be a high proportion of the workers had a foreign accent. So I was thinking they're not all Irish workers. They've come into this country uh, to do the work and some of them are in a position whereby they will not be allowed to sign on because of the work permit uh, scheme and yet their children will still have to be fed their rent, their, their rent will have to be paid their bills will have to be paid so they will find themselves in a very very uh, tricky situation but in the meantime we are on to board BIA to try to work out what is going on particularly when it comes to the traceability 
of the meat that people are buying and how can we be sure that it is up to uh, as Board Bia approved which is what Aldi are saying all of their meats are still going to be Board Bia approved your thoughts and comments welcomed on that 1850 and before we take a look at what's coming up on the programme today today is the final day of our competition that we've been running all this week celebrating the McCroom Food Festival which officially kicks off next Thursday the 19th of September and runs right across the weekend until the 22nd actually this day next week JP and the C103 Cork Today team will be in the Castle Hotel in McCroom bringing this show and broadcasting this show live as part of the McCroom Food Festival now every day this week we've been playing an audio clip of a, sh- of a chef doing a cooking se- segment where one word has been beeped out and you've got to try and work out what the beeped out word is today's prize is an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom with dinner on the night and also taste trail tickets that you can use if you go along to the the McCroom Food Festival. One of the highlights is the Taste Trail and it's just a fantastic day out. I always say to people, if you're going on the Taste Trail, go hungry (laughs) because you certainly will come back very full. Okay, let me play the, the chef with the bleeped out word. Don't call, don't text yet. This is just to let you get working on what could be the possible answer for today. Today's chef, Rory O'Connor. The important thing to say about fish, regardless of whether it's salmon or trout or brill or place or a piece of lovely hake that I've got here, the important thing is that it's spotlessly fresh. So I'm going to dip it in a little bit of just plain white... Okay, he's fish. Rory is cooking up a storm with uh, today. What's he dipping it in? Oh, I think that's a nice easy one, which is good to wrap up the competition on a Friday. Anyway, hold off on that and uh, we'll tell you when and how you can enter in the final hour of the programme. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be speaking with a woman in her mid-40s who has contacted us because of the problems she is having trying to date somebody of the opposite sex and she seems to be going to great lengths to try to do it including putting ads into a local publication local newspaper trying to you know social and personal page saying you know hi describing herself interested in a guy actually I'll be interested to hear how she's phrasing the ads that she's putting in the social pages uh, but it's the it's the reaction that she's getting and the calls that she's getting and the interaction she's getting from the opposite sex I was blown away to see in her text to say it's married men now I've, I, I'll tease it out more with her and is it are they married men who are hiding the fact they're married men or are they openly saying I'm married but you will have a good night out kind of thing I'm really intrigued by this anyway she contacted us to see because absolutely she's not the only person in this predicament you know when you get to that age you're in your probably from around your mid 30s on does it become a problem certainly when you're in your mid 40s and older where do you go if you want to meet somebody you know a partner somebody for friendship maybe a long term commitment you you know you want to meet somebody that you're going to spend the rest of your life with I know straight away Rachel was on to on, on our Facebook page when we've been talking about this we popped it up on Facebook and said um, tell Emery that's the lady we'll be talking to a nice guy will come along I found my other half online just as I was about to delete my dating account and we are now together two years well done to you uh, Rachel that's how lots of people are meeting is online so I'll be interested I'm assuming Emery has gone down the whole dating app so I'll be inter- interested to hear from her 
what sort of man has been coming forward through the dating app and has she, has she had any luck, any success uh, there. But uh, well done, Rachel. Just as she was about to get rid of the dating app, along comes the man of her dreams. 1850 CCTV cameras in Middleton. They have been switched off. Now, this is to do with problem with GDPR. Now, we flagged this summertime, was it May, early summer last year, there was talks because there was new data protection laws brought in by the EU and I remember back then a number of people saying this is going to cause problems for community-based CCTV, CCTV security cameras that are based around towns and cities invaluable if certainly for the Gardaí, if they're trying to track down, say, a missing person or if they're trying to track down any kind of antisocial behaviour or if an assault took place, first thing they can do, if there's cameras in the area, let's go see if we good clear image of what happened, what went wrong, who are the suspects. I mean, they really are uh, invaluable and I think they act as a great deterrent. I imagine if there were really good CCTV cameras in, say, the centre of a city, the centre of a town, the centre of a village, and it was widely known that these cameras were there and were operating. People would be slow to get involved in any kind of antisocial behaviour. And I also think they act as a great deterrent to try to stop people littering. I think we should have more of these cameras in place to stop people because if people think if they're going to get caught, they won't litter. You can be, you can I'd be absolutely sure of that. You won't have fly tipping going on if they think there's a camera actually recording them and recording their car and their car registration number and getting very clear photographs of the person doing the dumping. So I think we need more CCTVs rather than less. But GDPR has raised its ugly head in poor old Middleton and their cameras have been switched off. Uh, we'll be looking at that. We're also going to speak with the wonderful Stephen Travers. Stephen Travers, the Miami show band survivor. He joins us because he's worried that people are forgetting and have forgotten about the atrocities of the Troubles and the awful atrocities that happened in this country, particularly uh, in his own case, what happened to him and his bandmates on that night 44 years ago, would you believe, it's since the Miami show band. And there are many of us can clearly, I mean, I was a young, young teenager at the time and I can clearly remember the, the shock and I barely knew who they were at the time, but I can just remember everybody was talking about the Miami show band. They were kind of like the Beatles, weren't they, of of Ireland and they had a huge huge following anyway we'll speak with Stephen actually he spent this week in Northern Ireland so I'd be interested in his views on Brexit and also interested in talking about those shocking scenes that were coming out of Derry earlier on this week and seeing young men well it looked like young men balaclavas and that on them but throwing petrol bombs at police vehicles it just kind of stood still it stopped me dead in my tracks in the kitchen because I walked into the kitchen as the news was on to the scene and it really just stopped me dead in my tracks and it just brought me back to all those years when we used to turn on the news bullet night after night after night when trouble was raging and that type of rioting that went on during the troubles nobody wants to go back to that we, we, we really don't so we'll speak with that Stephen and actually an interesting kind of tie in with that we're going to be remembering the glory days of the show band era because Alf McCarthy is joining us 
to talk about this wonderful show that's been selling out. It certainly had two sellouts in the Everyman and it's been selling out all over the country and it's coming to the Glen Theatre in Bantir, not this weekend, next weekend. It's the, the glory days of the show band uh, era and there'll be many people listening to this programme who will remember those wonderful, wonderful uh, days when people went to dances and they danced for five hours non-stop and there wasn't a drop of alcohol consumed inside in the dance venue. That's not to say that I'm assuming people had, had drink in them before they went, but actually inside in the venue itself, there was no alcohol. And, you know, great fun was had by so many people. So we'll be talking with Alf McCarthy about that. And we'll also then, in the final hour of the programme, go to the movies with uh, Mark uh, Malone and actually talking to movies. Now, this is the movie that Mark won't be able to talk about because it's only opening uh, today. And I'm wondering how many other people are eagerly awaiting the film version of Downton Abbey. It arrives in our cinemas tonight and they are today. I don't know if there's any screenings this afternoon. There's certainly a lot of screenings uh, tonight. Now, Monday, there was a a well-publicised world premiere that was held in London and I've already heard some of the reviews and fans of the programme are absolutely one are loving it and they're not in any way disappointed. It has transferred onto the gigantic silver screen and it's transferred very easily and seamlessly as I knew it would because if you were a fan of Downton Abbey even watching it at home on you know your ordinary TVs and if you've got a big TV it always fills you know the that scene of the house and the driveway into the house and when they're in the drawing room and when they're um, having dances inside in the ballroom it just looks so rich and gorgeous and it's you know it's a, a completely different era and I remember from the first time I watched Downton Abbey they brought back brought me back to a programme that I watched as a child uh, Upstairs Downstairs I don't know how many people remembered Upstairs Downstairs and it was just a very slick version of Upstairs Downstairs that's what Downton Abbey was and, and I hated when they finished it I was thinking oh come on Julian Fellows write some more series of Downton Abbey it's just wonderful it's one of those programmes that just makes you sit and, sm- and uh, smile and of course Maggie Smith playing the very old uh, Lady Grantham. She just makes it with her quips and her one-liners. She's just an absolute dream and what a fantastic actress for a woman of her age as well. So the reviews so far are really good but I have to say any of the reviews I've heard are from people that have been fans of Downton Abbey so I'm assuming you'll only go to the cinema if you've watched the series and you loved the series you know that'd be hard I know for example I'll I'll chat with Mark about it later on I know for example that Mark is not a fan of Downton Abbey I know that his wife is now whether his wife will drag him along or not I don't know but we're going to we'll force him to go that's for sure because I'll be interested to to see from somebody who isn't a fan what they actually uh, make of it and it seemingly it picks up pretty much where the last series set down Mr Carson the Downton's butler he's just re- he was remember he just retired at the end of the last series so we see him seemingly tending to his cabbages and taking up uh, gardening but he's summoned out of retirement because he needs to help Downton Abbey prepare for the visit of King George V and his wife uh, Queen Mary and then it takes off from there so if you as I say are you like me are you looking forward to going along and seeing uh, Downton Abbey because it opens tonight C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 20th Second. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. 
Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition, and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, Kids Fun and Entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. C103 presents County Cork Culture Night, the annual celebration of culture, creativity and the arts, happening across Cork on Friday, September 20th from 4 till 11pm. From galleries to historic buildings, readings to exhibitions and films, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And it's all free. Find out more on Facebook and Twitter and see culturenightcorkcounty.ie with Cork County Council and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. When I mentioned Downton Abbey, a Douglas listener said uh, this morning show, the TV show yesterday, came from Downton Abbey where it's actually filmed, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, the gardens are absolutely beautiful. They get thousands of visitors uh, every year. Yeah, I imagine there's a huge, huge spin-off as a direct result of that programme. Thank you for that. On the farmers and the beef dispute, which is ongoing and now it has started to affect supermarket shelves. Aldi have become the first major retailer to confirm difficulties in stocking items. Irish beef on its shelves. Pat says the farmers are getting the same price for cattle 25 years ago as they are today. Not a credible statistic. The shops are the one creaming it all off, says uh, Pat. And someone else is picking up on the point I made, uh, having sympathy for some of the three, well, I have sympathy for all of the 3,000 workers who've been uh, laid off from the meat factories. But some of them are in a much more tricky situation in that some of them are not automatically entitled to social welfare payments because they are from their overseas workers and because of the work permit scheme they may not be entitled to social welfare. A a texter says, is that not typical of the beef barons to hire labour who will not have the safety net of social welfare entitlements? Big farmers and others are also trying to get permit labour from abroad. This, in my opinion, is typical of those who do not wish to pay what is deemed a living wage. 1850 Um Now, before I go to the outbreak, just quickly I want to mention, I want to wish the very best of luck to everybody involved uh, and all of the committee members of the Liz Lucy Memorial Drive walk and cycle. Uh, We spoke with them back in July when they were about to have their special day and they're doing it. This is their last year of the Liz Lucy Memorial uh, Day. So this evening, they're handing over the proceeds of this year's event to Marymount Hospice and it's going to happen in Credence Hotel this evening, well, nine o'clock and everyone is very welcome to attend and they've promised to let us know next week uh, how much was raised so we'll be able to announce it because so many people helped and contributed and it's always nice, I think, when we have events like this to let people know how much was raised and people are always like staggered at the amount of money that was, was raised but they raise money and it's volunteers do it when they decide to set up these committees and, and 
in this particular case it was in memory of the wonderful Liz Lucy but all of those people give up their time free of charge and the amount of work that goes into organising days like this but incredible sums of money then are made for very worthwhile cause and none better than Marymount Hospice so we hope everybody involved there has a lovely evening in Credence Hotel uh, tonight but as I say you can free to pop along from 9 o'clock this evening and the annual Legion of Mary pilgrimage to Knock I've got an email in about this is happening on Sunday the 29th of September and a bus will leave the church car park in Skibbereen 5am bright and early to get you up to knock on time the cost is 60 euro per person but that includes your bus your breakfast and an evening meal so I think that's good value for money you can contact Margaret Ryan on 87 or Kathleen Courtney on 86 if you want to go along on the annual Legion of Mary pilgrimage to knock Sunday 29th of September. Laura Gaelga, RC103. Rugg David Bory, Erin Ochtu Law, Denor, Nadu Gahadishak, De Sosna. Norvisha Og, Winshe Anna Hanov, Osavet Agashukla, Elvis Presley, August Little Richard. Dorok Garev, Da Agah Hul de Fruel, Achni Rev. Nirev on Tenum, David Bowie, Inusadge, on Tamar Fod. Du Sache, Ziggy Stardust, in Nadu Shakdo. August in Norira, but a David Jones at Adam Ear. Octaharig Shay Egg, David Bowie. Marvi David Jones Ella, Partuk in some Vanakyol, the Monkeys. Marvi David Kugli in Daig Dish, Husik Shay Bonakyol, Aravanam the Conrads. Cred no Nakred, Vishay Cardula, Elton John. Marvi Shay Dollar Skull. Hahan Lay Horse, Gamorlesh, August Ao. August Vonagavak, Duncan Jones, Club Lauer in an anor. Forshe Boss La Halsha in the anor, Goblinohin. Kyle on sale, Kyotor Untuk Amak on Lashin. A Blora Gwelga is Mishapodji de Pertun, O Gwelskal Hamasta Vishmala. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor, Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Can you outline some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, Anne-Marie from West Cork has contacted the programme wondering if other single people are having the same issues that she's having, trying to find somebody to date. And uh, she joins me. Good morning to you, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm, ver- I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose just to get a background here, how long have you been on the dating scene? I've been on the dating scene now over two years. And you are in your mid-40s, but you look younger. Yeah, 46, but would pass for 39. Oh, well done. Well done. Well, you're looking after yourself well. <laughs> now, let's to t- talk through what you've been... Tr- have you tried dating apps? Plenty right. of Fish, Twitter, I'm on, I'm Tinder. I'm on Plenty of Fish. Yeah. I've tried the Ireland Zone, the Southern Star, the Friday Ad. I've tried dating agencies. I've tried everything possible. Dancing. And no good. And when you take out the personal ads, the likes of, you're saying, in the Southern Star and Ireland's own, what do you say in those ads? How are you, you know, how are you selling yourself almost? Well, the ad is very long, so I can't really say the whole lot. Okay. But 
genuine, honest West Cork divorced female forty six looking for um, looking for friendship long term, non smoker, non drinker, love country music, that's pool, that kind of thing. Okay, very upfront and honest. Yeah. And what kind of replies are you getting? Mostly from married men. Now, when you say mostly for married men, are they telling you they're married? They're married. Yes, they are. Yeah. So they'll contact you and say what? They say I'm in I'm in an unhappy marriage. How about having some fun? Oh, okay. They're in an unhappy marriage, but they're not willing. Are they willing to leave the unhappy marriage? I actually believed one married guy there a few months back thinking that he was going to leave. He didn't. And the wife contacted me. Contacted you? Yeah. To say, leave my husband alone? Yeah. Oh. How how did that make you feel? Terrible. Like I said to her, he shouldn't have answered the ad. He was married. And he told you up front that he was married? He did, yeah. He did. And is that always the case? Yeah, always, yeah. And you obviously, did did you meet that man? Unfortunately, I did, yeah. But do you try not to meet them when you know they're married? I try not to, but I believed him. He said he was going to leave and, you know, no. I I wouldn't meet a married guy again, no. All right, there was a bit of a commitment before you met him. Okay, so, and was that... Do you get the most, where do you get the most reactions from? Is, is you know, which of the, is it the online dating or is it the ones in the newspapers? The ones in the newspapers. Would you always get a reaction? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of men out there. There is. But all, all the wrong ones, Patricia. I know. And did, did I see in one of your texts yesterday that younger men... Yeah. I have 25-year-olds answering my ads and I have up to 80-year-olds. Even though you clearly say what your age is? Yeah, yeah. And the dating apps? Oh, I, I mean, I, your fish, yeah. yeah. How, does, how, how does that operate? Um, you go online and if there's someone online, you message them and they message you back. Great. If you like them, they give you their phone number and then you just text away. But once they've got your phone number, they give a load of abuse. Not very nice men at all, no. Okay, so you, you keep well away from, from the... So the on, has the online ever been successful for you? No, never. The dating agencies? Uh, 600 euros. Oh, yeah, they're expensive. Very expensive. Okay. And no guarantee you'll find somebody at the end of it. It's always the same men on all of the, like, on the newspapers, on the online. Same men all the time. Replying to all the ads. Well, the same men on, you know. The same men showing up all the time, yeah. Because they are, they're, they're looking. Well, if they're married men, they're what? They're looking just for a bit on the side. Yeah. 
Okay, John is is saying by text that there are lots of married women doing the same thing, which, yeah, I mean, I'd have to hear from a man who's in the same situation as Amory, but yes, if, oh. marri- if married men are doing it, there's obviously married women who That's are... That's right, yeah. I mean, I don't understand. If they say they're unhappy, would you not work at your marriage? I mean, going off and having a fling, because that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. The men who are contacting you are just looking for a fling. That's right, yeah. They're just looking for sex, really. That's the whole... Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Answer, yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. Okay, what, what are your hobbies? Let's see if we can... Right. I love my I love my country music. I like my bingo. I'm into darts, pool. I love boat trips. I love animals. I'm a non-smoker, non-drinker. Um, what else do I like? I love cosy nights in and out, eating out, the odd holiday. Um, I have a, ra- a huge range. So, and when you say country music, you you into the dancing side of it then as well? Yeah, I've done the dancing side of it and I've met people and they say, oh, I'll I'll take your number and I'll ring you next week. Never hear from them again. Uh, It's it's disheartening. So I think they're married, really. Are you working? No, I'm unemployed. You're unemployed. Okay, so that's it. Are you renting? Do you own your own property? Where are you living? I'm in Bantry and I'm in a council house, so I'm lucky that way. Okay. Living on your own? Yeah, living on my own, no baggage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. It's important to get together. Okay, <laughs> who who would be your ideal date? I mean, talk to me about age, looks, interests, personality. Describe the ideal man. Right. Unfortunately, I go for the wrong men all the time. Well, let's try and get you the right man. So, go, <laughs> so, so describe the right man. I would love somebody like me, honest, genuine, looking for something long term, not live together or get married. Um, about five foot, maybe five foot nine or that. Okay. Size. All right. Um, Age? From 43 up to 62. You'd go as high as 62? I would. Okay. Depending on what they look like, of course, obviously. So, so looks are important. Looks are very important to me. Yeah. Is is, is it like dark, fair, curly haired? Oh, it doesn't matter. Just as long as, as long as I like them. As long as they have hair. Uh, depending. Sometimes I don't. More times I do. So, so we're not ruling out a bald head. No. We're no. Not. Okay. All right. Uh, any particular colour eyes that you like? Oh no. No. Anything. Anything at all. Okay, but well kept. Well, you need somebody smart. Someone who dresses well. Yeah. You know. Smartly dressed. Yeah. And someone who has a good sense of humour, like me. And the hobbies. The hobbies. I don't really mind. Well, it, like I love agricultural shows, trashings, bingo, of course, dancing. Um, the odd sun holiday, all them kind of things. Would you go off for a day to the ploughing festival? No. But you wouldn't go to the ploughing championships if... Sure, I don't like going on my own. No, but I'm saying if the, if the Mr. Wright turned up and says, come on, Amory, we'll head off for the day to the ploughing championships. I'd be gone. Would you yeah, go? I'd be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be thrilled with that. Okay. Oh, would, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of what, what, what other... 
what else oh. are we looking for in this ideal man? Okay, you don't smoke or drink. Is it important that he doesn't smoke or drink? Yes, very important, yeah. I certainly don't want an, a smoker and I don't want somebody who's heavy on drink. But if they had the odd social drink, yeah, that would be okay. So the odd pint is all right, but you don't want anyone? No, because I've been down that road before. I've worn the T-shirt, so no. Enough said. Enough. Enough, and, yeah. Uh, enough said. Have you other single friends, uh, Anne-Marie, of a similar age who are going through the same thing as you? I have friends who are younger. I have friends who are older. I have male friends who are older than me and the same story. Finding the it same hard. story. A lot of people are saying stick with the online, but you the dating apps, but you you really don't seem to have had much success with the dating apps. No, I've been attacked twice, no. Attacked? Yes. What do you mean by attacked? Two people off a plenty of fish attacked me. Physically? Uh, kind of, but I got away in time. And these were two men that you met through, the, through that app? Yeah, that's right, yeah. You do have to be so careful. You do, you do. And the Ireland Zone, and you also said the Southern Star. And the Friday Ad. And the Friday Ad. newspaper, yeah. Which gives you the most replies, if you would... The Friday Ad, the free one. And how do you get responses? Is it a P.O. box? No, it's actually, I put my phone number down. Oh. And people ringed in or text. And then you have a chat. That's right. And normally you know... Within a couple of minutes, would you? Oh, I'd know straight away once I'd be talking to them, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have to be careful if you do arrange to meet with them. Yeah, where you're that's going. right. Listener says, tell Emery to go to Lisdon and Varna. Has she tried? Oh, has God. She, has she tried has she, have you tried Lisdon and Varna? I have. <laughs> Did you go there? Never again, Patricia. No. <laughs> tell, tell me more. What happened at Lisdon and Varna? Never again. You know the man that uh, the man that what you call it the uh, matchmaker is it? Yeah, the matchmaker. Yeah, yeah, the famous matchmaker. Yeah, myself and my my best friend from from here in West Cork went up. He's actually a male. We went up because he told us that he would get us a match if we if we came up there. Yeah. So we went up, and he asked me some questions, and then he said to me that um. You're not ready for a relationship at all, he says. And I says, who are you to tell me I'm ready or I'm not? Like, I am ready. Of course I am. But he felt at the time you weren't. He was just being horrible. Oh, well. No, yeah. no. Okay, I know. I know no. that's, yeah, yeah. But maybe, maybe something you'd said he picked up on. I, I, I don't know. And, and yeah, we weren't there. Been, yeah. Okay, we are getting, John Paul says, lots of calls from men in their 70s and early 80s saying they'll date you. Uh, but that's typical of what you have been saying to us. That it's that's there. right, yeah. So, and actually, I have to say, and I'm not taking from those men in, the, in their 70s or 80s, they could, probably very, very genuine men. There is a cohort of men over 70 who would love to be able to date because whenever we do features like this we would always get older men saying 
you know, go pass on my number, pass on my number. All right. Uh, so I, I don't know whether there are older women out there are interested in dating older men because certainly there's a lot of men in their 70s and 80s and you certainly have backed it up by saying they contact you whenever you put ads they do, in social yeah. papers. It's terrible. Would you consider taking up a new hobby that would give you a new group of friends or get you out on a different scene? Um, I don't know. You see, I'm living down in West Cork and I love going to Mallow, the hazel tree. Yeah. That's the most brilliant place and the people are lovely. And the men up there always ask the ladies to dance. Okay. They're brilliant, but they're too far. Yeah. I'm two, two and a half hours from, from Mallow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. But people are saying, um, tell Amory join a sports club, join a gym. Just go to other places where she can make friends. It's to try but and get, yeah. you know. Like volunteering, for example. Is there any way you could volunteer you know, like a local charity. Is there, um, I'm just, I'll stop my head trying to even think, is there, you know, amateur dramatics? Anywhere where you get to meet new people? I don't know. There is, I suppose. But then you need money to to do these things. You don't have a lot of money. Do you know I'm unemployed, yeah. Okay, well, listen, you've put it out there. We'll see what comes back. I can see a lot of reaction coming th- coming in. We'll go through it. And I'm told uh, John Paul has at least one guy who's contacted us in a similar uh, position. John Paul says he sounds really genuine and we're going oh. to pass the details on uh, to each other and uh, who knows, maybe you coming on air today, maybe we found you Mr Right. We will keep in contact with you Anne-Marie and you keep in contact with us, okay? Could I just say one last thing? You can. If there is anybody out there like in West Cork that is genuinely looking for friendship long term, could they get back to you or... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, we have one. We have one potential, John Paul tells me. Okay, okay. I'm going to leave it there, Anne-Marie. We'll, we'll be in contact. Thank you for that. Thanks, And thanks for joining us. And I can see there's a lot of calls uh, coming in. Uh, we'll go through it and um, I just need to take a quick break. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm in Cove today for the People's Regatta. Victor, you are a amazing balloon modeler. Thank you very much. Where do you learn to do amazing stuff like what you do now? I always say it's yes, the result of years and years and years of unemployment. I mean, practice, sorry. How many balloons would you bring with you on a day? There is a bag here with about 2,000. Did you ever run out of balloons? Yes, sometimes I do, but I pretend really well that people don't realise that. Join me weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I have to say, the amount of people that have rang in identifying with Anne-Marie, both males and females, particularly talking about the amount of married men and married women who are in unhappy relationships, are saying they're in unhappy relationships and then they're trying to go on the dating scene, they're trying to uh, either go on the dating apps or they're those personal ads, the ones that Amri spoke about that she regularly puts into local papers and married people are replying to those because they are miserable in their own marriages or that's what they're saying. See, I'm, I'm wondering if they're that miserable. Why are they still there? 1850-333-103. And Helen in North Cork says, Tell Amory, join a sports club or a gym. You can make great friends at these centres. It isn't all about going clubbing or dancing. Helen said, I actually met my husband at her local gym. Well done, Helen. OK, we need to take another break. We've got news at 11 on the way. We will catch up with your calls and comments in the next hour. And we also, of course, are speaking with uh, Stephen Jeffers of the Miami show band, uh, Survivor, he joins us. C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. 
Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, kids fun and entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. C103 presents County Cork Culture Night, the annual celebration of culture, creativity and the arts. Happening across Cork on Friday, September 20th from 4 till 11pm. From galleries to historic buildings, readings to exhibitions and films, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And it's all free. Find out more on Facebook and Twitter and see culturenightcorkcounty.ie with Cork County Council and C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Today is the last day of our competition uh, celebration, the McCroom Food Festival, which kicks off next Thursday, September 19th and runs through until the 22nd from live music to a school's cook-off. There's a massive outdoor food market. There's various talks, demonstrations. There's the wonderful taste tra- trails. Uh, this really is an event not to be mixed and missed and it's all happening in McCroom uh, next weekend. Now, we've got an audio clip of a chef. Today's chef is Rory O'Connor. And we've bleeped out one of the words while he's doing a little bit of cooking. You've got to try and work out what the word is. Just playing it for you now. We won't be opening the phone lines until the next hour, but just giving you a chance to listen so you can work out what the missing word is today. The important thing to say about fish, regardless of whether it's salmon or trout or brill or place or a piece of lovely hake that I've got here, the important thing is that it's spotlessly fresh. So I'm going to dip it in a little bit of just plain white. There you go. And there's nothing like fresh fish, especially fresh fish on a Friday. Uh, we'll let you know how you can enter in the next hour. And today's prize is an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom with dinner on the night that you stay. And there's also taste tra- trail tickets, 11 of them in total uh, thrown in. So it's a fantastic prize. And if you want to find out more, go onto their website, mccroomfoodfestival.com. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. And actually, while I'm talking about McCroom, it gives me an opportunity to remind you that this Sunday, the McCroom and District Lions Club are bringing the Morriston Orpheus Male Voice Choir to St. Coleman's Church in McCroom next Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, the tickets are on sale locally and they're priced at €30. Euro. And the Morriston Orpheus Male Voice Choir, they are the leading male voice choir in Wales and have been for a number of years and they've played with uh, distinction all over the world. Actually, they last appeared in McCroom in September of 2014. So it's a return trip. And at the time, the McCroom and District Lions Club were made €14,000 that went on to be spent with for very worthwhile causes in the area. So they're hoping to do the same again next uh, Sunday night. And it would be a fabulous night out in St. Coleman's Church. And I always think ch- the, a church is just a great setting but that kind of sound, you know, that big sound of a male voice choir, it will be fantastic. And uh, tickets are available at the Castle Hotel 026 41074. So good luck to everybody. Uh, and if you're going along on Sunday night, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful night out. Let me go back to commentary and calls coming in. Firstly, reaction to Anne-Marie, who joined us in the last hour. She's 
46, looks younger though, and uh, divorcee, trying to date. She's trying to find a genuine, decent guy to go out socially, you know, get to know each other, become friends, and who knows what will, ha- what will happen. But all she's getting, the only reaction she seems to be getting to date are from people who are just looking for a one-night stand. And in the main, it's married men who claim they are unhappily married and they're looking for a one-night stand uh, as well in many cases. Uh, Pawdy says, what about women? They're doing the very same thing as the married men that Anne-Marie spoke of. I'm on the dating website Plenty of Fish and I am constantly meeting women who on their profile say they're single. Then when you go out for a date, maybe on the second date, they'll actually fess up and admit they're actually married, but they're admitting that they're unhappily married and that that's why they're on the dating websites so they're catching out single genuine men uh, as well and Dan says he actually has an understanding of why married men and women are doing this because he says he's a friend of his who got married in his mid-30s and he was one of the first of the gang to get married and Dan said only recently he was asking him you know how are you getting on how's married life and all that and are you happy and he says he's okay sure she'll do And Dan was really taken aback by that, saying, like, what kind of a commitment is that, that after a few short years of marriage, somebody would say she'll do? He reckons some people are getting married for the sake of the public show, for the workmates, and because everybody else is doing it. He reckons people are marrying for all the wrong reasons. And that could be one, if that's true, could that be one of the reasons why Anne-Marie is meeting so many people who are saying and they're being honest with her and saying they're married but they're married and saying they're unhappy and we have um, Pawdy saying the very same thing but it's with women that they're just unhappily married. God are there that many unhappily married uh, people? Uh, Mary says hi Patricia I was just listening to that lady sorry I didn't get her name her name was Amory with regard to the difficulty she's having finding a partner I grew up in the era of the dance halls and the festivals when the show band era was in full swing I actually met my husband in the Majestic Ballroom the site of where you're located and broadcasting from today times have changed but not always for the best it was easier to meet uh, there was always plenty of venues to travel to kind regards says Mary and that show band era we are going to be remembering funnily enough on the programme today because there is this fantastic show uh, These Were the Hucklebuck Days isn't that what it's called? The that's going to it's on the Glen Theatre in Bantir and we're going to be previewing it on the programme today people may have seen it already but just tell us about that whole era of the show band and there's a complete young gen- generation who know nothing about the show band era but Mary reckoning it was a different time And it certainly was easier to meet people from the opposite sex because there were so many dances and so many venues uh, for people to go uh, to. And hi, I am a widow farmer. There are no genuine men. I'm in the very same boat. There's somebody who absolutely can identify with exactly what Anne-Marie was saying. Very hard to find genuine men who want to meet a genuine woman you know, initially just to get to know each other, to become friends so that you can go out socially together and, you know, maybe go for something to eat, maybe go for afternoon tea, go for a walk, just to spend time with each other. And who knows what will happen? I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't think I'm really straight away saying that, you know, she, I know I was jokingly saying who was the man, man of her dreams. It would be great if she found the man of her dreams. But initially it's just companionship is what she is uh, looking for. And someone else says, um, tell Anne-Marie to to pray to God through St. Valentine 
ask for his intercession to meet Mr. Wright. I don't know if she's religious or not, but it's, if she is, there's another suggestion uh, for her. 1850-333-103. Can I go back to the problems within the beef industry and the news that we are hearing today? It's now starting to affect the supermarket shelves and it is Aldi have become the first major retailer to confirm difficulties in stocking its shelves with Irish beef. And they are, they are the first out of the blocks and I'll be very honest about it and saying if you go into their stores today their products will be clearly marked. Now they are saying they're still saying it's Irish beef and pork suppliers but they're getting the Irish beef and pork processed at UK based processing facilities and obviously I'm assuming that's how they can still keep the board beer uh, registration and that it's all passing board beer and we've actually sent an email on to Board Bia because we want to find out because it was one of the first call we got in this morning was from Sean in Dream League saying how can it be Board Bia uh, approved and making the point obviously Sean as a farmer that we hear the Irish farmers go through so many tests and traceability how can it be Board Bia approved but Aldi are saying that its meats are all still Board Bia approved and we're waiting for Board Bia to get back to us just to clarify that particular point for us but somebody by text uh, says hi I just want it I just want it to be stated that yes it is tough on the workers that have been temporarily laid off from the meat factories but this is coming from the farmers side of it you have to think of the time and the cost that there is currently there on farmers who are coming from all over the Bearer Peninsula, coming from all over the Mizzen Peninsula. We even have farmers travelling from the islands off West Cork and they're travelling to Bandon in order to support the farmers who are protesting outside the APB plant and they're doing it to try to protect rural Ireland and they're doing it to protect rural Ireland from some greedy meat processors and an Irish government that are made up of what I would call a bunch with no work-life experience for the job. I really do hope this all gets sorted and I think everyone at this stage wants to get it sorted from the 3,000 workers who've been laid off to the farmers who are, and that texture is right, the farmers themselves are going to great expense, the ones that are going out and uh, processing and then of course the beef farmers themselves are saying we're producing this beef and we're not making any profit uh, uh, out of it. We we cannot make money out of it. So yeah, there's a lot of people uh, involved and who want to get it sorted and I think nobody wants to get it sorted more than our Minister for Agriculture, Michael Crete, who is continuing to try to engage with the farmers and with the meat processors and he's desperately trying to convene talks and get those started at the earliest possible opportunity. We still have no update on when an agreement has been reached. We know that the farmers are saying We'd love to meet. We'd love to start sitting down from tomorrow morning. The meat processors are saying uh, Monday. Can we meet somewhere in between and get them to meet on Sunday? I wonder. But if anything breaks on that particular story and if we hear any more from either side as to or from the Department of Agriculture who are the ones trying to get everybody around the table and if we could just get them around the table talking. That's what we need. I mean, nothing is going to get solved. We're at stalemate when we don't have either side at talking. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
We have a full-time office administrator wanted. This is for work in the Mallow area. You must be able to do accounts, software, Excel and organise staff and work schedules. A security engineer apprentice is wanted. That's for work in the Mallow area. Driving licence would be an advantage. A courier driver required based in Castletown Bear. It's to cover holidays and the busy Christmas period. Experiencing courier work is essential. And a two-month contract role for an accounting specialist wanting for work in Bishopstown. Bookkeeping and accounts technician level also considered. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. Can you outline some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. Now, it was very difficult to once again watch police officers in the Cragen area of Derry come under petrol bomb attack while they were carrying out a security operation targeted at dissident Republicans on Monday night on the TV. The images just brought back memories of news bulletins during the Troubles. But is there a danger that atrocities of the Troubles are being forgotten about in both Ireland and the United Kingdom? Miami showband survivor Stephen Travers fears that that is the case. And uh, Stephen joins me. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, Patricia. And it's always a pleasure to have you uh, on the programme. You feel the younger generation who didn't live through the Troubles and, and obviously therefore know little uh, about about it. Why do you believe it's important that we never forget what happened during those dark days? Well, I suppose uh, there are very few good things that came out of the Troubles, but one is... Uh, uh, you'd have to say the lessons we learned are that we should have learned from the troubles so that we would never go back to them or allow ourselves to be back, bring, uh, go back into that position again. Only recently, one of the uh, organisers of the the Civil Rights March uh, back in 1969, Eamon McCann, he said that uh, we were once again at this position, at the crossroads uh, that we were at in 1969, 50 years ago, uh, and little did we know at that stage um, what lay before us, well, 30 years of madness. So um, we don't want to be part of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I, I do think we need to be reminded what the consequences of violence are. Are you saddened by the images coming out of um, Derry this week, Stephen? Um, I am, um, and I love Derry, I have to say. It's uh, it's one of my favourite places, Um we held uh, an event there about two years ago, a TARP event, which a TARP just stands for Truth and Reconciliation Platform, our, uh, our organisation that brings the stories, that allows, gives uh, the victims uh, an opportunity to tell their stories as a deterrent. And um, we did a, an event there in the City Hotel, and uh, we were asked by the, by the parents and uh, grandparents of that were there to to make sure that we did a schools program to warn the young children not to be seduced and not to be radicalised. So I'm delighted to say that um, it's working very well. We're supported by the uh, uh, Department the, uh, of Foreign Affairs and Trade 
but it's it's an uphill struggle. There's uh, there there's a lot of radicalisation going on. Does the notion of a hard border worry you? Frighten you? It does. Yeah. Um, we've you know we've got the peace delivered by the Good Friday Agreement, but. Uh, clearly, there was one major flaw in the Good Friday Agreement, and that's that it didn't address the legacy uh, issues the, uh, of the victims. And so, there's uh, it sort of works both ways. Uh, the the children and grandchildren and and uh, relatives of the of the victims who haven't been whose problems haven't been addressed now find it very difficult to reconcile because they feel that they're somehow letting down their uh, their loved ones uh, so uh, it's 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 sad uh, that that there's a possibility of returning to violence we have to be aware of it and yet at the same time the dilemma is that you've got to uh, uh, protect the integrity of the of the eu otherwise we'd be kicked out of it so there there's going to be a border there but how soft or how hard it is uh, it's probably immaterial. A border is a border, and some people will see it as an opportunity to uh, start the killing again because they believe that's the only way to, as they say in inverted commas, to free the country. But they're not really freeing it at all. And you sp- you spend time in Northern Ireland um, this week. Are are people talking about Brexit? Are people concerned about Brexit? And what are their big fears? Their fears are return to violence because, you know, even. Uh, you can imagine if 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 the lightest touch uh, is is uh, applied, say for instance, cameras um, on the border to to check, and this wouldn't really be practical either. There'll have to be physical checks and by by real people. But uh, can you imagine even if there were cameras, somebody's going to shoot the cameras down, then they'll mm. bring along policemen. They'll they'll probably shoot at them, and then the army will be back in, as Eamon McCann says. We're you know back to 1969 again and. The war starts again. You um, backed the making of the Netflix uh, documentary on the on the uh, Miami Show Band. Is that helping to keep the memory of your bandmates alive? Well, of course uh, it is, Patricia. Yeah, I mean it's you know we uh, in in uh, Truth and Reconciliation Platform or TARP, as I say, you know we we say that the, there's no no greater deterrent to violence uh, than the testimony of the victim but sometimes there are the victims only get an opportunity to preach to the converted and to speak to each other uh but netflix dropped out of heaven like manna from heaven uh, for us and you know grabbed it with both hands it it, it has trended all over the world uh it's been a massive reaction hasn't there to it huge massive I mean, uh, within about two hours of it being released it was we started to get messages for, uh, in Portuguese so it, we knew it was trending in South South America and in in, uh, in Brazil and uh, then within another few hours it was trending all over America so it's gone we've you know we've 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 been inundated with uh, requests even to do tarp events from Tokyo up to Alaska you name it you know I've been in Africa and now I'm heading off to uh, do a speaking tour in, in America. I start off on the 11th of, of October in, in um, Phoenix, in Arizona, and then I finish up in Chicago. So uh, it has Netflix has changed everything for the better for us. Um, why has it taken so long for, for the story to be told like that 
through through a, a movie documentary like Netflix? Um, because effectively there was uh, an embargo on it. There was, you know, it was censorship. Well, oh, we, okay. could, we couldn't even try to. We tried very hard to have our, have the book, which which was uh, has been you know out since two thousand and seven. We tried to have it released in Britain, and we were given every excuse why it shouldn't be published in Britain. And we knew then that there was a heavy hand of censorship someplace there. And uh, so I got the rights back, and uh, Hollywood uh, optioned it for a movie. In the meantime, Netflix came along, and now they're talking. Uh, uh, the movie has a new impetus, but now they're also talking in Hollywood about a mini series. So it's, the story isn't just you know to remind people of, or to give people a thrill or some sort of virus. It's it's to remind people that you know if we use violence as a political expedient or some way to an instrument to change society, that the consequences are dire and really dreadful, basically to de-glamorize violence. Yeah. And the memories, Stephen, of that night, I mean, 44 years ago, are they as fresh with you today as they were on July 31st, 1975? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and not just with me, but with, the, you know, you, if you bear in mind that uh, 3,000, over 3,700 people were killed. So each one of those is a story in itself. Uh, uh, and these are on both sides or of the of the divide, and that's why TARP works with. You've probably seen the Netflix documentary, and I'm engaging with the loyalist paramilitaries, or as we now call them, former combatants, but also with um, people people who have been severely impacted. And I've said time and time again, you don't have to die to lose your life; it can be changed completely. And it did change you completely. Oh, it did, uh, but I refused to accept the change for 30 years. And then um, I was giving a talk in Warrington at the Peace Centre, and um, I had an experience, as they call it, uh, the, which I had been warned about 30 years previously. The wall fell on me and uh, uh, took quite some time to, to get over it. Basically, just out of the blue, everything hit me. I was able to div- divorce myself from the uh, from the person giving the talk until that day where those two little children were murdered in Warrington and it's a beautiful peace centre and all of a sudden this thing just hit me like a ton of bricks. Post-traumatic stress? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I've been diagnosed with that but also with a thing called uh, enduring personality change basically. Basically what happens is you become a completely different person. That's to protect yourself. It's yeah, but there are consequences with that yeah. as well. You know, yeah. you, you you you're no longer the the person that you know I, the person that you wanted to be, and all of your hopes and dreams for you know a, a life of in the music industry. In my case, and you know, happy and fun, and everything. I'm not saying that I'm a miserable person. I hope I'm mm-hmm. not, but still, it does change you. But we're trying to use these experiences to for the benefit of others and to, and to make things uh, make things better, make sure it doesn't happen again. So we're back to trying to prevent the violence. And are, are you any closer to the truth coming out about what happened on that night? We know the truth. We're, uh, we're, we've, we've been fighting through the courts. Uh, we've taken the British Ministry of Defence, the MOD, and the Chief Constable of the PSNI, uh, to court in a civil action, and they fought us uh, the whole way. First of all, they said we didn't have a case. Then after that, they admitted we did, and uh, we were eventually granted uh, 82 of 84 documents that we had in a specific discovery. 
and we're ready to go into court now. Um, but they've even they've even taken out a public interest immunity uh, cert to to try to block evidence, but. Uh, it's not working for them. I mean, they they haven't got a leg to stand and I can't wait to get into court. Yeah, and even, you know, it won't bring your bandmates back, but it's important that the truth comes out. It is. And, um, you know, what they tried to do, apart from killing the lads and from seriously injuring me, they tried to frame us as terrorists. You yeah. know, if, if, if uh, none of us had lived through that, then we would... We would have gone down in history as terrorists, and you can imagine, you know, the how our families would have yeah. been treated, and yeah. so that's and and your legions and legions of fans who you know idolised yeah. you, yeah, it would have been dreadful. It would have been oh, just, dreadful, yeah, and, just and, dreadful. And Stephen, how is life now for Stephen Travis? Well, uh, you, you find a new purpose. One of the one of the the terrible things that uh, companies being a, a victim or admitting that you're a victim, which I did after thirty years, is that. You lose your, uh, you know, sense of value, sense of self worth. But doing this this work uh, and, and and working um, to, uh, you can see the results of it to to try to to head off the violence. It gives you a sense of worth again. So in that respect, uh, yeah, you've got your. Um, it's it's good. You think you're doing something worthwhile, and I'll continue doing it. And tell me about the award you're after. It's in Chicago. Is it you're picking up an award? Yeah, um, I was uh, I was amazed to to see that I, I was I was given the uh, Person of the Year award at the IBAM uh, Chicago Festival. I'm going out to pick it up on the 18th of of uh, October, uh, and it's a daunting prospect because two previous winners, I know them both very well, and cool. they're, they're uh, well Richard Moore the. Children in Crossfire, the founder of Children in Crossfire. Okay. I was out in Africa with with uh, with Richard. He was he's completely blinded at the age of ten, but he's built hospitals and schools all over the world in South America. And, so, and the other hero of mine that was a former recipient is John Hume. Oh wow, wow! And you were up there with the best, Stephen. Oh, I'm uh, telling you, congratulations. Well, we're very proud of you. Uh, listen, it's a pleasure as always to talk to you. We will talk again. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for taking time out to talk to us and, and congratulations on that award. It's, it's terrific and well, well deserved. Thanks very much. Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. The wonderful Stephen uh, Travers, who uh, was the one of the survivors of that Chopin massacre 44 uh, years ago. And we're very much going to stay on that theme uh, because coming up next, I'm going to be speaking with Alf McCarthy, who is talking about a show that remembers the showband era. These were the Hucklebuck days. For the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer racing and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. 
C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, Kids Fun and Entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. C103 presents County Cork Culture Night, the annual celebration of culture, creativity and the arts, happening across Cork on Friday, September 20th from 4 till 11pm. From galleries to historic buildings, readings to exhibitions and films, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And it's all free. Find out more on Facebook and Twitter and see culturenightcorkcounty.ie with Cork County Council and C103. And Michael uh, reacting to my interview with Stephen Travers of the Miami Showband says, Patricia, how are you? What a powerful and yet chilling interview on the North with your guest Stephen Travers. Our, con- our government, the British government, should be listening to this powerful, wonderful man. It may stop the country going back to the abyss of terrorism again. Also, the EU need to be aware of the consequences of a border on, in this country. Please God, people will see sense and that. That's uh, for Michael 86 uh, Thank you for that, uh, Michael. Now, those of you that remember the vibrant days of the showband era will be interested to hear that for one night only, the Glen Theatre in Bantir will stage those Hucklebuck days, the story of the showband years. It's on Saturday week, September 21st, and the Grand Master of Ceremonies on the night is Alf McCarthy, former radio and TV presenter who joins me to preview the show. Good morning to you, Alf. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I know this... Thank you. So, so, sorry, so I'm a Grand Master, am I? You're Master of Ceremonies. <laughs> is, is, well, that, that, that's what I was told to introduce you as. <laughs> well, OK, that's good enough for me. <laughs> have you a different title that you prefer me to introduce you as? Yeah, what's his name? Or, hey, you? It's <laughs> a copy, you know, that kind of thing. Now, yeah. the show has sold out twice at the Everyman, which isn't the easiest thing uh, to do, and it's been staged around the country. Take me back. How did it all come about? Well, um, the the company as such started in uh, the Everyman Theatre about 18 years ago, Linda Kenny, um, Cotton McCabe, um, Damien Smith, started doing shows in the Everyman Theatre called Sunday Night at the Everyman kind of thing. And they would take well-known um, artists like um, Nelson Eddy and Jeanette MacDonald and Fred Astaire. They'd build a show around that. And Michael Toomey, God rest him, was the MC. Uh, so when Michael passed away a couple of years ago, they asked me, would I come on board? And the show has kind of developed now into something else. It's, it's gone beyond just appearing in the Everyman. Uh, so we now call ourselves the great sing-along songbook mm. and we're kind of going for the popular songbooks and we're hitting the 40s and the 50s and the 60s uh, artists of that ilk so those Hucklebuck days kind of screamed out to you know tell people the story of the show band days and we all have our own memories so it's a night of nostalgia and it's a night of tunes that everybody knows and uh, I suppose the the given is in the title that it's the sing-along songbook. So we invite the audience to join in with some of the songs. Uh, and we also tell the story of some of the artists and the background to some of the tunes. Uh, but basically, it's a good night out. Um, uh, and that's what it's all about, you know. And you help people out with the words. 
to get them to sing well, along. We, we project the uh, the lyrics onto the screen, like the good old days in the Savoy, <laughs> for those of you who would remember that, uh, where you went along to see Fred Bridgman on the organ, and the, the lyrics would be up on the big screen. So it's a bit like that as well uh, when we go along. But also, uh, Cotton McCabe, who writes and devises the shows, uh, also insert you know clips uh, uh, of of TV footage, uh, photographs of the stars. So you get a good sense and a good uh, a good sense of the time. And like it, it is pure nostalgia. And we love doing them because the, the company there, uh, Alan Carney, is the, the young musical director from Co. Fine, talented young man. Um, and he brings a, a, an enthusiasm to it. And of course, I'm the perennial. 16-year-old. <laughs> and I just love doing this. But we have a lovely company. We all get on well together. And we just love performing these songs and, and telling the story, you know. And give so, us an example of some of the songs. Well, no. You're looking for some of the songs. All yeah. right. Well, we start with, we, we open with Rock Around the Clock, followed by Thai Yellow Ribbon. So that kind of gives you a good idea okay. of where we go from there. But then we hit on some of the Irish hits. Uh, that were there down through the years, like, uh, for example, uh, the candy store in the corner. Um, we do the green, green grass to home. Old Man Trouble, remember that? We do. Um, we have a Connie Francis medley, um, Boney Maroney, some Beatles stuff. Uh, so everybody's kind of catered for, you know? And is it, the audience then are of a certain generation, is it? Are, are you are you getting all ages yeah. in? Well, well, this is it. Um, the grey pound, as they say. Yeah. Uh, that's not so much the target audience, but that's the kind of audience that look forward to going back in time. And we, we, we've, like the shows that we put on really touches, uh, if you're pardon the pun, a chord with many people. Um, for example, one of the shows we do is the Vera Lynn story, and we're bringing that back next year because she will, she's still alive. She'll be 103. Incredible. And we, we did it in the National Concert Hall. And one of the people in the audience was her cousin. Huh. And this lady was in her 90s. So it's obviously longevity as part of the, the family gene, you know. Um, but uh, and in that particular show, I wouldn't be an MC. I, I, I actually played a character called uh, Sidney Cartwright, mm. who talks about the war, you know, and the, the effects of the Blitz and all of that. Uh, and we have footage of the Blitz. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're hitting, I suppose, a certain... Um, but people uh, love nostalgia. People love do, to look yeah. back, and there's uh, nothing better. Even when you sit down with a group of friends, no matter what age you are, you know the greatest exactly. peals of laughter is talking about something that happened when you were teenagers, when you were in your twenties. And actually, exactly. and, and we've also noticed that, like, although it, let's say grandmothers and granddads might be there, their daughters. Yeah. And their daughters, so the grandchildren are coming along as well, and they're going, "Oh, I didn't know that, or I, I'm not familiar with that song." Like, I mean. When when Cahill puts a show together, for example, we, we do uh, the Jim Reeves story as well. And our musical director, Alan Carney, is a young man in his 30s. So he was not familiar with the music of Jim Reeves, but learned to love it, you know. Um, and Nat King Cole is the next one that we're doing. We're, do, we're actually this coming Sunday in Waterford with the Nat King Cole show. Oh, who, um, who doesn't love we, Nat King Cole? Oh, and it, it's a lo- I have to say it's a really lovely show. Is it? Um, is even it? though all the hits, you know, Mona Lisa and uh, Ramblin' Roads and 
all those things. But that's that's for another day's conversation. Okay. And it's it's hard, Al, for young people to understand this era that we're talking about with the show band years. You know, five hours of non-stop dancing and no alcohol on sale inside these venues. Yeah. And I mean, like, depending what hall you went to, I mean, if it was a kind of a local parish hall, uh, the parish priest would be casting his eye on <laughs> shenanigans going on. Uh, there was actually a, a ballroom in Mailer Street in Cork City called the Gresham Rooms. Now, it was a tiny little place. Uh, but Paddy O'Brien of the Over 60s competition reliably informs me that in the good old days, the priest would be there and he would have um, a wooden ruler, a 12-inch ruler, and he would insert that between the couples. So that was the distance. That 12 had inches so apart. So they could touch but not enjoy. <laughs> Isn't that, and actually, early, earlier on, we were chatting with uh, one of our listeners who's uh, in her mid-40s, having difficulties trying to get out on the dating scene. And we were just talking about how difficult it is to date today yeah. for people of a certain age. And straight away, one of our listeners was on uh, to say that the old show band days, there were yeah. so many venues, so many dances, and that she actually met her husband in the Majestic Ballroom, where I'm broadcasting from today, all those years ago and how much how easier it was for people yeah, yeah. to meet other people back then exactly it was yeah I, and it was it was the social lubricant it, you know people came together they worked hard all week they put on you know put on the, the guys put on the brill cream on the saturday night <laughs> the girls you know put on the bobby socks or whatever um and went out uh, and the idea was you might meet a nice fella uh, or a nice girl as the case may be uh, my dad uh, had his own dance band in the 40s and the 50s. Um, so he was just like pre-show band. But he remembers telling me stories of like people would save up for the week to go to the to the um, the dances. Um, they would put on their best bib and tucker. And then the prime thing was they would look for somebody who could actually dance. It wasn't a question of, you know, you go to pick somebody up. You actually went to dance, yeah, and that was that was an, a very important uh, element of it. And of course, when the show bands came along, then it was like, wow, look at what's going on here. You had a local talent, but they were also doing international hits because, like Joe Mack would tell you, that you know they would listen to the radio. What's what's hot? What's what's the new number one in the top twenty? We must learn that for Saturday night, you know. <laughs> and they did, you know. And then five brilliant. five hours later, they sent them all home sweating. <laughs> You know, it it was it was a truism. It really was because yeah. if you're jumping around for five hours, um, <laughs> in, in very uh, like the, the the ballrooms used to be packed. You know, they didn't have uh, air so conditioning like, back then. <laughs> no air conditioning, exactly. I'm going to I'm going to outside for a fact there for a while. You know. <laughs> okay, so you're you're you're, you're, you're playing um, the Glen Theatre, wonderful Glen Theatre in Bantier, one night only, Saturday the twenty yeah. first. So it's tomorrow uh, week, and tickets are now are on sale That's from right. from and the Glen Theatre in, in Bantier. The day, then we're, we're travelling up to Burr uh, in County Offaly, doing the same show, but it, that's uh, uh, an afternoon. Uh, and you and, and I know I was I was reading some reviews online. I mean, you're getting great reaction, no matter where you put the show on. I tell you, the, the, the reaction is tremendous. We're so thrilled, uh, A, to be able to do it, but also to get the reaction that we do. Uh, like people, it, it touches a chord with people. Uh, again, I come back to that phrase. Uh, there was a woman who came up to us 
the last show we did now, uh, which was the, um, the Doris Day one in the National Concert Hall. And this woman came up at the end and she says, I'm just thinking of my husband. He's, he's passed away. But one of the songs in the show was the song he used to sing to her. So it brings back oh. so many memories to people, you know. Yeah. And yeah. when somebody stands in front of you and says, thank you for that, you kind of go, wow, this is great. You yeah. know, this really is great. It's fantastic. Fun. And as I say, fun is the key element. We really enjoy doing it. And, and, and the people love it. Love, love the old tunes, you know. And bring along your best singing voice and even if you can't sing, sing along anyway because oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's what everybody wants to hear. Okay, listen, uh, I have a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Uh, good luck with Thank you so much. And we'll talk again. God bless. Take care. Okay, thank that you. is uh, the wonderful Alf McCarthy and it is the Glen Theatre in Bantir on Saturday the 21st for those Hucklebuck days, the story of the show band years. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Still getting in uh, some calls about Anne-Marie who joined us having relationship difficulties. Well, she's having difficulties trying to form a relationship. Uh, someone says, Douglas Nissner says, tell Anne-Marie she doesn't know how lucky she is to have such independence by being on her own. Nah, that's OK if you want to be on your own. She'd love, she'd love a bit of companionship, though. That's what I picked up from Anne-Marie today. And Mike says, hi, Trish, people aren't clear what they want before meeting for a relationship. I think Anne-Marie has been very clear. I think it's the men who have been contacting her are not very clear. It's only when she goes to meet them or gets into conversation with them, it becomes clear. They're looking for one thing and one thing only and they've no intention of leaving their wives and they just want a one night stand and nothing else. But certainly she's been very, very unlucky in uh, that regard. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. In the next hour, we're giving away that fabulous prize uh, a night away at the Castle Hotel in McCroom. Wouldn't it be gorgeous along with dinner? And then you can head out to the Taste Trail with 11 tickets to use at the Taste Trail uh, as part of the McCroom Food Festival. We'll be doing that in the next hour. We'll also go to the movies with Mark and we'll catch up with your calls and comments all to come after news at 12 midday. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, Kids Fun and Entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. C103 presents County Cork Culture Night, the annual celebration of culture, creativity and the arts, happening across Cork on Friday, September 20th from 4 till 11pm. From galleries to historic buildings, readings to exhibitions and films, there's... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Something for everyone to enjoy. And it's all free. Find out more on Facebook and Twitter and see Culture Night Cork County IE with Cork County Council and C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I give this out to the farming community, please, and see, can anybody offer help or advice to somebody who signed the text, an anxious farmer? Hi, Patricia. We have an animal that died on Tuesday and the knackery are on strike. We contacted the Department of Agriculture to see what we could now do. And they've told us to put the dead animal in a shed. We're not allowed to bury a dead animal. We don't know what to do. Thanking you. And I signed an anxious farmer who obviously is not, you're not on your own because we've heard from, we had another caller on Wednesday who drew our attention to this because it's a story that I, maybe it's only me, I don't think this is getting a lot of attention or a lot of, of traction. It was Tuesday of this week that the knackeries all over the country closed their gates and they've gone on strike. It's to do with funding. They are funding from the Department of Agriculture was reduced back in 2009 by 80%. So the additional costs were then passed on to farmers. But the Animal Collectors Association say it simply is not viable for the knackeries to continue. They're running at a loss. So they just, just, we just can't do it anymore. Now, the Department of Agriculture are well aware of this and they've been in discussion with the Animal Collectors Association in recent weeks trying to come up with some kind of a solution. But they haven't come up with a solution. And because of that, 40 or so knackeries around the country closed their gates on Tuesday and they have remained closed since. So the likes of this farmer and the farmer who drew our attention to it, people only discover it when they have an animal fallen animal, an animal that's died or an animal that is unwell and unfit for human consumption. They're the ones that are sent to the knackery when they contact the person who comes in, collects them, they're told, sorry, we're on strike, nothing nothing we can do for you. So I think this farmer did the right thing by contacting the Department of Agriculture. But is that simply good enough to be told to leave the dead animal in a shed? Because when I first spoke about this on Wednesday when I heard about it. I was instantly saying, is, is this not a health and safety issue? Is there, no, I don't know why this animal has died, but is there a danger of spread of disease if animals are left uncollected? And I don't know enough about farming to know. Is, is, is that the right advice from the Department of Agriculture? Just leave it in a shed? How long can you leave it in a shed? And can anybody explain why are farmers just 
not allowed, particularly in a case like this, to bury the dead animal when there isn't any facility for this farmer to dispose of the animal. So if anybody wants to offer advice as to what this farmer can do, or is the Department of Agriculture right? It's fine. Just leave it in a shed. Don't worry about it. Don't go into the shed because imagine that animal will start to go off if it isn't. It's already, it's been dead since Tuesday. It's already starting to go off and the smell and everything. Goodness me. Anyway, uh, we're looking for advice there. If you can help us, please. 1850 303 Farming Community. Normally good to pass on advice and, and help our 0862 103 103 if you want to text or WhatsApp us. And thank you to Eddie from Mahan for drawing our attention to this and shame on whoever was involved. I don't know whether they'll be listening to the radio or not but Eddie said Hi Patricia, just to let you know, I was stopped by the lights at the CSO office in Mahan this week and there was an ambulance stopped at the other side of me, which was fine. There was a female driver and a male passenger, so two I'm assuming two uh, paramedics. The male opened his window and just let fly rubbish which ended up going across two lanes and into the ditch, just as you turn into Aldi. The lights then went green and I didn't, unfortunately, says Eddie, get the number, the registration number. I did blow the horn, though, as I passed them. I'm I'm really taken aback that somebody would be sitting in an ambulance because you're well spotted and you're up high and all of that and that they would simply just open a window that's not the norm. I'm, I'm sure that's not, not the norm. It is an awful pity that you didn't get a registration number because at least if you get a registration number, I don't know I don't know if it's a HSC ambulance or a private ambulance or a Red Cross ambulance. I don't know. Um, and Eddie doesn't know either. But at least if you'd had the registration number, you could have contacted the powers that be and say this is what I saw and the person could have been in some way reprimanded. reprimanded. But shame on it. Wasn't the female driving the ambulance. It was the male paramedic sitting in the passenger seat just rolls down the window done with this rubbish I don't know maybe he was having a bite to eat maybe it was lunchtime or something tosses it out the window and there it goes for somebody else to clean up wouldn't you love to see what kind of a house that man lives in but then he probably lives in a spotlessly clean house because he probably needs somebody else cleaning up after him 1850 competition time ok we're going to do this by text today, okay? This is our competition for the McCroom Food Festival, which runs from September 19th through to the 22nd. It is a festival which is fun for all of the family and it is a key culinary weekend in the diary of very serious foodies. And don't forget, C103, the court did this programme, will be next Friday, the 20th, broadcasting live from the Castle Hotel, all part of the McCroom Food Festival. Every day this week, we've been playing a clip of a chef doing a cookery demonstration and we bleep out a word. Here's today's. You have to work out what is the bleeped out word. The important thing to say about fish, regardless of whether it's salmon or trout or brill or place or a piece of lovely hake that I've got here, the important thing is that it's spotlessly fresh. So I'm going to dip it in a little bit of just plain white Okay, that's Rory O'Connor cooking up a storm in the kitchen and he's cooking fish. What is he dipping the fish in before putting it into the frying pan? Get dialing on that 0862 103 103. We're going to do it by text or WhatsApp today, not by call, by text or WhatsApp. Just the answer, please, and your name and where you are 
texting us from. You don't need to put the number on it because your number will show up automatically here into the text message service. So what is the missing word? The important thing to say about fish, regardless of whether it's salmon or trout or brill or place or a piece of lovely hake that I've got here, the important thing is that it's spotlessly fresh. So I'm going to dip it in a little bit of just plain white... Okay, get dialing 0862 103 103. And by the way, if you want to check out more and find out more about the McCroom Food Festival, they've got a wonderful, wonderful uh, website that you can check it all out on McCroomFoodFestival.com. If you have a relative who is currently stuck, and I use the word stuck, in a hospital bed, Ready for, is has been told that they're free to discharge but they need to get a nursing home place. There's a little bit of good news because it seems an extra 750 people are to be offered a deal, a nursing home place under the Fair Deal scheme. We know that the HSC has been forced to ration out some of these places and they certainly have been doing it over the last number of weeks and months and limiting the number of places every single week. So now it seems a top-up is going to be needed. The fair deal costs about a billion a year. They're going to need to put extra money into it because there are so many people who have been approved for discharge who are waiting on a nursing home place and end up having to remain in uh, a hospital. Now, in some of the cases, the uh, older people, we were told always initially that the fair deal, the plan was that a person would be approved for funding within a month. But unfortunately, that target certainly hasn't been met. We've got, we've heard of some older people who've been in hospital up to two months or longer waiting for a nursing home place, a nursing home Ireland, straight out saying, this is fantastic. We have capacity. We have spare beds. We are ready. We are willing. And we are willing to reduce the hospital overcrowding because that's what's what's happening. 769 patients, it was reported this week, are medically fit but cannot be discharged because of a lack of step down care and what are they doing? They're occupying a hospital a bed so it'll, the cohort of people now will be moved on and they'll be able to go into a much more better setting for them as well and the numbers have been building up over the summer because of this slowdown on the allocation of fair deal uh, spaces but you know we are into autumn. We're heading into the flu season. And can I say on the flu season, looking, because when we talk about flu, we look to Australia first, because obviously they've come out of their winter and that's where the flu, the the strain of flu will come from. And they had a particularly nasty strain of flu this year in Australia, which doesn't bode well for us as we head into the flu season. So make sure that you get your flu uh, vaccine. But with that flu season, and just the winter months, we know there will be more and more people heading into the hospitals, heading into the A&E departments and that will just further add to the, the gridlock if there, there are not beds available on the wards. And yet here we have, you know, this week, 769 patients in beds who don't need to be in a hospital bed. They need to be somewhere else, but they certainly don't need to be in a hospital bed. And I know the Health Minister, Simon Harris, uh, himself, he, he got involved in this uh, by, and expressed his concern at the number of pa- patients who were known as delayed discharges and uh, he was saying something needed to be done because they are taking up the stay in hospital and they're occupying what are already uh, scarce beds. Uh, Many hospitals are still suffering severe overcrowding despite additional beds 
been opened this year. They don't, it doesn't seem to be working at all. I mean, yesterday, for example, there was 454 patients on trolleys across the country. What a staggering figure. University Hospital in Limerick, again, the worst hit. They always seem to top the list. I know we, we, some will say we don't trot far behind them at, universe, at uh, CUH either, which is true, but it always seems to be the University Hospital in Limerick always seems to have the most people left lying on trolleys. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. Uh, please don't call us for our competition for the McCroom Food Festival. We're doing that by text only 0862 103 103 or you can WhatsApp. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Mallow Wheelchair Support Group, they're holding their church cake collection. It's this weekend at all masses. Please give uh, generously. There will be an Art for the Heart sale of work uh, in... of for, 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 Okay, start that again. There will be an Art for the Heart sale of work of art in the auction room in Donnerell tomorrow, Saturday, 12 noon. Viewing will take place today between 2 and 8 and again tomorrow from 11am. Proceeds are going to the Helena Ryan Appeal. Marketplace Poetry in Fomoy are launching their book all to one side. It's at the Blackwater Valley Makers in Gallery, the square in Fomoy, and that's happening tonight at half past seven. All are welcome. The next draw for the Clyde Rovers Lotto takes place tonight in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill, the jackpot €1,950. And a fundraising coffee morning in aid of Marymount Hospice goes ahead in Wing Community Centre tomorrow, half ten until 1pm. While Fremont Kiltus, they've got their enrolment tomorrow. That's from 10am to 1pm. No late registrations will be accepted. And a reminder once again, I mentioned this earlier, that proceeds from this year's Liz Lucy Memorial Drive, Walk and Cycle will be presented to Marymount Hospice tonight at St. Credence Hotel at 9. All are very welcome. And a march to highlight Save for Moy Weir will take place tomorrow Saturday at 12 noon. They're asking people uh, to meet at the following meeting points, Aldi's, Tossbrines and Cavanagh's Garage on the Cork Road. C103, the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Fergal Curtin from Yall AC. After a stellar season with Arizona State University, Fergal performed a personal best run of 3.42.20 at the Portland Games. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Echo and C103. And the advice for our farmer on the dead animal. This is the farmer who on Tuesday an animal died, contacted the knackery not realising that they're out on strike since last Tuesday. They then rang the Department of Agriculture who said put it in a shed and leave it there until the dispute has been sorted out. Uh, and also said in the text that we're not able to bury it and I was wondering why they're not able to bury it. Well somebody has pointed out why you can't. Dennis, thank you Dennis. Dennis said a burial ban was introduced in all European Union member states in 2003. It was done to protect the health of humans and animals as well as to safeguard the environment. Improper burial can cause pollution especially to groundwater due to gases and leachate production. This can cause the risk of transmission of disease to man, animal, birds and insects. Okay, Uh, kind regards. Thank you, Dennis, for that. That is a really good explanation as to why 
they can't actually bury the animals. As I say, I didn't quite know uh, what the reason for it uh, was. Uh, Frank says, Patricia, tell the anxious farmer to cover the dead animal with plastic and then pour disinfectant over the animal and then leave in a shed. Do not bury, as the animal could contaminate ground water which we humans then go on and have to drink, says Frank, who's also backing up Dennis's thing that you do not, under any circumstances, bury the animal. Because John says you should do. John in McCroom says, uh, Patricia, tell that farmer to take a picture, take a photograph of the ear with the ear tag on view and then dig a hole and bury it. Mm, okay, now we're going against the burying of it, but certainly take uh, an ear, take a photograph of the ear tag. But I'm just worried about the smell. And we have a lovely, lovely mild weather at the moment, milder than it normally is for this time of year. But maybe that advice of covering it in the disinfectant, would that help keep the smell down in some way? I don't know. 1850-333-103 and you can stop texting or whatsapping us. We have our competition winner. What's the answer first? The important thing to say about fish, regardless of whether it's salmon or trout or brill or place or a piece of lovely hake that I've got here, the important thing is that it's spotlessly fresh. So I'm going to dip it in a little bit of just plain white flour. And I don't think anybody got it wrong. Everybody got it right today. It was a nice, easy one from Rory O'Connor. It was plain white uh, flower. And our winner is... Oh, there. Uh, Anna O'Shea in Charleville. Congratulations to you, Anna. Pack your bag, girl, because you're going for an overnight stay for two people to the Castle Hotel in McCroom. Dinner on the night and wonderful taste trial tickets. Enjoy your time in McCroom for the food festival next uh, weekend. And JP and the C103 Cork Today team will be there this day next week from 10am broadcasting live from the Castle Hotel to celebrate the McCroom Food Festival running from September 19th through to the 22nd and thanks to everybody involved in the festival for those wonderful prizes that we gave away this week. Uh, We really had fun and we enjoyed it. We were speaking with Alf McCarthy in the last hour and he was talking about the Hucklebuck days and the days of the showband era and he told the story of remembering a priest who used to, it was Paddy O'Brien, the wonderful Paddy O'Brien told him the story of a priest who would go around, it was one of the city dance halls, he would go around with a 12 inch ruler you know standard ruler and if he saw a couple dancing on the the slow set or whatever dance they were doing he'd be there with the ruler to make sure they were 12 inches apart you can get close but not closer than 12 inches so he'd be there with the ruler Nancy in Mayfield uh, said she never saw a priest in any dance hall that she went to but she does remember clearly dancing in the dance hall located near Roaches and she said no drink no drink in those areas great times to be had she also remembers a nurses night on Wednesdays was that just for nurses she said it was a great it was a great night out she didn't meet her husband there though she met her husband in Balancholic but it was during that era of the show band Rose is in Dunmanway good afternoon to you Rose good afternoon Patricia uh, Rose you remember dancing in Dunmanway St Patrick's Hall was That's it right oh my god yes beautiful memories and like, what, what sort what sort of bands? John Paul there a while ago. Yeah. The beautiful memories you brought back there this morning speaking to that McCarthy. Amazing. Well, I have a memory of, um, okay, you get all dressed up and going out and you might might date, but then again, you may not. And you the, the word used then was we might shift. <laughs> 
<laughs> we had a lady in the cloakroom yeah. by the name of Dolly Kelleher. And she, Dolly knew everybody. Everybody knew Dolly. Yeah. So they may have met your mum maybe in the town that day. And she said, keep an eye on that one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you put in your coat, you yeah. get a ticket. Yeah. But you wouldn't get your coat back until it was over. She minded us. Oh, if you wanted to get out early for the shift. Exactly. Dolly wouldn't give you your coat. She'd make every excuse in the world. Oh. And uh, you wouldn't go home without your coat because it was the only good coat you had. Yeah, you couldn't because leave the you coat. you had to make a show up the night and dress up really nice. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And Dolly was doing it because she knew everybody's mammy and daddy yeah. and she was she was looking after Rose and making sure the Rose wasn't, wasn't taken off with Johnny from down the road. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, sure, God, the beautiful memories. I swear to God. And no alcohol. Oh, God, no, with a bottle of orange. Yeah. A bottle of orange and lucky to have it. Yeah. But we did have, we did have um, our chips when we were going home from Sunny Maybury. From the chipper. From the chipper, Sonny and uh, Mag McCall and oh God, Sonny, he has lovely memories. I think someone should sit down and talk to Sonny. He has beautiful memories. Has he? Yes. And everyone would pile into the chipper at the one time. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And there were the homemade chips. There was nothing artificial about them. <laughs> and when you went to St. Patrick's Hall, was it a disco or was it dances? Oh, was, it, was it a Broadway show band would be playing there or, you know, the regular bands. And would you get the big bands now, but they'd be the good bands. Oh, the big good bands, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And was it shifted to the lilac in in the scene? Was it a weekly dance? That was a always Sunday night, yeah. But like there was no drink involved, no drink at all. Someone said this morning there was hours of dancing, and we all knew dancing. We all knew how to dance. Yeah, I thought it was lovely to hear Alf mm. say that when he spoke about men going out and they, they particularly looked out for a woman <laughs> that was a good dancer. Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good, great memories, uh, great Rose. Great memories, You're in, thank you for the programme this morning. No, lovely. My, my, my pleasure. You're inside in, in the wonderful Tower Shock in Dumanway. Well, yeah, we have 10 fabulous ladies there and, you know, the memories we're making is, and the people we're meeting are amazing. And again, can I take this opportunity to thank our community Oh, far and wide for looking after us and supporting us. It's one of the things when I was talking to Anne-Marie earlier, who's, you know, the, the dating scene and all of that, mm. and I was saying to get involved in, the, in things to, you know, to broaden her circle of friends. I think getting involved in charity shops. I, oh, I bet you've absolutely. made amazing friends. Absolutely. We've met many, uh, many a gentleman and lady just walking outside and you just get talking to them. You yeah. say, look, the kettle's on, come on in. <laughs> You're a great bunch. And you get your life, their life story, like if they're just willing to have someone to just listen to them. That's all they need. That's and all in rural Ireland, that's what's that's missing now is that chat. Time to chat to people. And you're never stuck for items to sell. Pardon? You're never stuck for items to sell. Not at all. And you'll always get a surprise. Hey, good on you. <laughs> all right, Rose. Listen, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. You too. Thanks for Thanks much a million. Bye bye. The the wonderful uh, Rose from the Taurus Shock in Dunmanway remembering the days of dancing in in Patrick's Hall in Dunmanway and well done to Dolly Kelleher looking after all the young people and making sure no young one went outside the door until it was time to go home. 1850 103. The Breakfast Show in Cork that's paid out thousands of euro on celebrity seas. Are you serious? Oh my God. 
is here weekdays 6 to 10. Get the latest news for Cork, brilliant music, huge cash giveaways and everything you need to start off your day. I love the show, Simon. Click the kettle on, pour yourself a hot cuppa and join me from 6am weekdays. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Go to the movies with Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And I mentioned you earlier when I was talking about the fact that Downton Abbey is opening tonight in the cinemas and that it did. It had a London premiere on Monday and anyone who's a fan of Downton Abbey from all accounts absolutely loving it mm-hmm. now you're in a household that you never watched it but your wife watches it she watches it yeah, yeah. she enjoys it yeah Yeah. so will you bring will she bring you to it will you bring her to it will, will I, you well, go well, will I, well yeah well you want me to go yeah, I don't I, mind yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've, no, I've nothing against the, the TV series I just tend yeah. not to watch TV series I watch movies and sport and because I think I've said to you before I find it very difficult to commit to dramas because I know I've got to watch it again and the next yeah. episode and the next episode and if I miss an episode I'll feel bad over it and then I know these days you can download them and so on uh, but uh, yeah see, look, I, but, but I would like to go yeah, and see I'm it just, I'm interested in somebody who knows all the characters and is invested in it yeah. versus somebody who is, doesn't know any of the characters Will I be able to go in blind? That's the thing. You know oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's just one one part, one character. I think that your good wife is going is going to have to lean over and say, "Oh, that's actually her husband," because you want to hold somebody pops up at some stage later well, on. Well, Maggie Smith. So you know, yeah, yeah. The prime anyway, of Miss okay. Jean Brody. I should look forward to that. Let me take a look at today's <laughs> movies. You went along uh, to see um, it chapter two. It, it chapter two, and then Fisherman's Friend is the DVD. We have a trailer from it. Chapter two. Why are you crying? No one wants to play anymore. Play a game with me, would you? You're on the count of three. One. Oh, I'm telling you, this just frightens the life out of me. And you will be amazed at the number of people who are scared of clowns. Yeah. And if you've got a clown phobia, <laughs> this is not the movie for you. Yeah. Well, I suppose he's, he looks like a kind of a, a completely different kind of CMV, uh, uh, cinema version of a clown. I mean, let's make that quite. Right. He, all his features are all kind of really over the top. So yeah. it doesn't look like your normal clown that you would see in a circus. I mean, let's make that quite clear. I mean, that's an extraordinary sequence. It really is. It's harrowing and scared, uh, scary. And it is difficult jump. to watch. Yeah, but it is absolutely brilliant, it must be said. And that, that was the voice of Bill Skarsgård there as Pennywise, who plays Pennywise with his very, very kind of sweet, gentle kind of a high-pitched voice I mean with a lot of movies they always give the bad guy or something like this a really really deep voice and yeah. you know they go in and they, they digitise the voice to make it even deeper like they would say with uh, a lot of movies but they don't hear and in fact the fact that he's so quietly spoken makes him actually more scary and more he's frightening. creepier oh completely yeah, yeah. completely and um, yeah so like this is the follow-up to the, the, the previous film so in this film we see all the um, the, 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 cl- the club again the um, the kids from the first film they're called the Losers Club so at the start of this film what they basically do is um, they there's loads of flashbacks so the flashbacks to the previous film and so basically at the end of that they make this pledge they go look if Pennywise turns up again we will get together again and we will go back and we will kill the clown and so the film then jumps 27 years later so then we have our older cast playing the younger kids uh, people like uh, Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy and Bill Hader and they get oh, so together so we've got the younger and the older 
older throughout. Exactly, yeah. yeah and, that's, okay. and that's actually one uh, of the problems, I think, with the film because the constant flashbacks to the kids is completely unnecessary, I think. Okay. So basically what they're trying to do is tell a new audience about them and give their kind of backstory when it's completely unnecessary and especially if you've seen uh, the first film. So there is a lovely sequence at the start where all they do, the gang, get back together again because they haven't seen each other in 27 years and one of the criticisms of the film was that they didn't look as if there was any chemistry between them and it looked as if they hadn't met before but the fact is it's been 27 years and some of them didn't even recognise each other mm. and, uh, and so there's this lovely kind of get together and very very scary scene uh, in this restaurant uh, when Pennywise starts to mess with people's heads because what he basically tries to do is so he, he confuses you as to what is reality and what isn't and what he tries to do is he scares you uh, before he kills you because apparently the more he scares you the tastier you are Oh. Before, he, before he eats you. And believe me, when that mouth opens and those teeth uh, arrive, yeah. it is digitised, it is CGI'd, it is quite extraordinary, it, it really is. And there are some extraordinary scenes in this, and I did like an awful lot of it. Okay, it's nearly three hours long. And look, so was Once Upon a Time in America, the Tarantino film that I reviewed yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But the pacing in that was so good, I just did, it didn't even notice because time feel went it, by. Because you actually said that on, when you reviewed it. An hour it, into yeah. this thing, I realised I had two hours to go oh. and that, that was very, very difficult. Um, because somebody oh. comes up with this idea that uh, they need to get these artefacts from their past which will help them to fight against Pennywise. So then they split everybody up. So you had this kind of wonderful kind of, uh, you know, group of terrific actors together which you were really, really excited by. And for some reason, the director and the story just goes in really, really strange directions and they go off and then we have these constant boring kind of flashbacks to the kids which is a terrible shame. When it's scary, it's very scary. When it's funny, it's very funny. When it's horrific, it's horrific. But when it's boring, it is very boring. <laughs> so it ticks all the boxes. <laughs> so you were glad to see the end of it when it, when it ended. It, it sounds like something that would make you jump out of your seat at times. There's a lot it? of that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of jump scares in this and that's another yeah. problem, I think. There's a lot of CGI kind of monsters in that which are completely unnecessary, I think. But basically, it's a three-hour version of the first film because a lot of scenes are recreated. I was thinking, that's the exact scene that they did in the first film. So it's not really so much a sequel as a remake, if you ask me. Yeah. So I was a bit disappointed with it and I thought the, the ending was a bit downbeat and a bit disappointing as well. So. Okay, Mark, out of 10? Um, six. Six out of ten, and that's it, chapter two. Okay, Fisherman's Friends. Yes. Uh, this is a comedy drama. Is it a musical? Is there mu- no, it's just well, there's music, music in it. There's yeah. music in it, okay. It's got nothing right. to do with the throat lodging. I was just going to say, <laughs> suck it and see, a fisherman's friend. And um, so it's based on a true story um, about these uh, ten fishermen from Cornwall who, at weekends, uh, um, in Port Isaac, they um, give a little kind of a concert for charity uh, along by the port. And uh, they were seen by a top Universal Records uh, executive who thought these guys have something. They sing these old English shanties. sea shanties like is this Oi, a, this oh is yes, a true... girl walking down the street this kind of stuff. This is know. a true story. And it's a true story. The true story is in fact is that they did very well. People might have the record at home. Uh, I think their first record is the biggest selling folk album of all time. What? So yeah. So the, this is basically based around that. But that's only just the basis of the story of the film. Well, the rest of it is just completely contrived all and right. completely rewritten and, and has basically no truth really in reality. And uh, so yeah, so when we meet uh, the boys, they are singing in Port Isaac, where they film the television series um, Doc Martin. Have you seen Doc Martin? Oh, so oh yeah, yeah. That's the same yeah, port. Yeah, yeah. So they, 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 they use all the same houses all right, uh, okay. and all the same uh, so kind people of will locations. Recognize. Exactly. And I've been to Port Isaac, and it is an incredibly beautiful place. The difference between the Port Isaac that I was at and this one is that the Port Isaac that I was at was clogged with traffic and people ah. and tourists. And there's not one car and not one tourist in this whole thing. So that you know, it's like this kind of picturesque. You know, 
uh, in reality, it's very in. different. Yeah. And so the lads, uh, the, basically, um, uh, Daniel Mays plays the character of the uh, Universal Records um, uh, executive who sees them and sees something in them and then tries to get them a record deal. And it's, it's about all that and the amusement of London. Basically, going, why would we even now bother? How doing would you go like and sell that? Yeah. Uh, exactly. And yeah. what year are we talking about? Oh no, this is only the last couple of years. So the last couple yeah, of yeah. years. Okay. There's one wonderful moment, and you know uh, the thing about Cornwall, of course, is Cornwall uh, has in the past looked for independence uh, from yeah. England. It has its own flag, and there's a lovely moment where they um, are asked to sing the national anthem live on TV, and uh, so you had Eamon and Ruth live, and they go, now we go over to the Fisherman's Friends who are going to sing the national anthem, and they sing the Cornish national anthem, which, <laughs> which is a lovely, lovely moment. And there's a lot about that. that there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Look, look, it's very cliched. It's for, I mean, you're being manipulated the whole time. You really are. Uh, but it's got a lot of heart and it's got a lot of charm. And I smiled. It reminded me of Local Hero, which I loved. Uh, you know, it reminded me of Whiskey Galore. These kind of really, really kind of sweet uh, movies. And I enjoyed every single moment of it. And the sea shanties are great. And um, and I'd recommend anybody to watch it. Is one of the sea shanties, What Shall We Do With The Drunken Sailor? Which I can play on piano. It's, <laughs> I, I learned piano for about a year and it's the only thing I can still remember how to play. So. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so if you like sea shanties, you're definitely going to lo- love this. It's yeah. called Fisherman's Friends and that's out on uh, DVD, isn't it? Now yeah. uh, our streaming. Okay, Mark, Fisherman's Friends out of 10 for us. Uh, eight. Eight, yeah. okay. Eight Close out of 10. Nine. Okay, thank you for that, uh, Mark. And uh, have a lovely week and we'll chat again next Friday. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Uh, still getting in calls and words of advice for the anxious farmer with the animal that's died in the knackeries roll on strike. Uh, M says, I read the dead animal. If the, the department say leave it, photograph it and dig a hole, get on to the health department. Because somebody else is saying, uh, John is saying, Patricia, in regards to that dead, dead animal, of course the farmer has to bury it. For God's sake, if the carcass is left, it's going to pose a much higher risk of spreading disease if it's left above ground to all living species, including us humans. Take a picture, bury the animal, and if the department want the animal back later on, then they can dig it up again. Isn't this just another example of how we've all gone overboard with regulations? No common sense left, says John. What was done years ago? Uh, people just buried dead animals. 1850-333-103. Almost time for me to be wrapping up. I know I'm calling our phone numbers. It's nearly time for me to go. But before I go, a shout out. Glad to report this, that the Douglas Farmers Market is back tomorrow. Uh, they'll be staging the Farmers Market between McDonald's and Douglas Cinema. Please support the Farmers Market in Douglas and all of the other shops that are open for business in Douglas. They need all of our local support. Uh, good luck to everybody involved there and congratulations the this week's prize bond star prize of 50,000 euro is coming to us here in Cork it was a prize bond bought in 20 20- 17, so the last two years, just two years ago, somewhere in County Cork. They're not going to give us any more information other than that, but it was a €50,000 win, which is a nice, nice win indeed. There was over 4,800 prizes in total given away, but that was the top prize is uh, 50,000. That's done every week, isn't it? They, I know they have a 1 million euro prize, but that's only done twice a year. I think it's uh, June and December. And we always get people complaining about prize bonds. I have prize bonds for years. We hear from people and we never win anything. And normally what happens is when we start talking about it, I don't know whether we put it out into the universe or not, but usually when we start talking about it, we will inevitably get calls and texts in from people in the following week saying, lo and behold, 
hadn't thought about my prize bonds in years and when we started talking about it didn't I get a letter through the post to say I'd won no small amounts of money but still a win is a win because I think they make the draws on the Monday and it's usually Tuesday if you're going to win anything you're going to win it on you're going to get the letter on Tuesday to say that you have a won so well done somebody this week in Cork received that great news that they had won 50 thousand euro. That is a nice nice sum of money. Have fun spending it. And Nick Richards is next, up next and he's turning up the feel good factor with these amazing tunes. And that's Nick. He's on from one. And then Martina will be on from four this afternoon because it is Feel Good at Friday. Somebody said, uh, what is the name of the movie, the second movie with the sea shanties that Mark was talking about? Fisherman's Friends. Fisherman's Friends. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is next. Um, And I'm off for the next two weeks. I'll talk to you in a fortnight. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, kids fun and entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. C103 presents County Cork Culture Night, the annual celebration of culture, creativity and the arts. Happening across Cork on Friday, September 20th from 4 till 11pm. From galleries to historic buildings, readings to exhibitions and films, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And it's all free. Find out more on Facebook and Twitter and see culturenightcorkcounty.ie with Cork County Council and C103. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.